Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. We are back for another Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. I'm Mike Rags. Going to bring Todd Burlidge in here in a second. Got lots to do. A little bit of a cookie cutter game this coming weekend with Bowling Green and Notre Dame heavy favorites. So we'll talk about the Virginia win as well. Uh, and uh, lots to do uh, taking a look at this Notre Dame football team. And wherever you found us, especially on podcasts, make sure you rate and review the show. And of course, uh, if you're joining us on ESPN Radio 13 and 100.9 FM on Saturday morning. Welcome and stick around for Fighting Irish Preview right afterwards. All right, let's uh, bring them in right now. And uh, they did rebound from that Georgia game just like some of us thought they would, although I thought they'd struggle a little bit more against Virginia. Uh, they, the defense really came out to play, and let's bring him in. Todd Burlidge from Blue Gold Illustrated. Todd, it was a more impressive win than I thought they were going to get last weekend for sure. Yeah, Rags, definitely the second half told the story in this one. Uh, Notre Dame was struggling a little bit in that first half, not getting a lot done offensively uh, down. 17 to 14, but certainly outscored Virginia 21 to 3 in the second half, dominating defensive performance. Uh, the running game came around 35 20 was your final there over number 18, Virginia. Yeah, I think the running game is what uh, I was most impressed with and we were most worried about going into the game. And of course, uh, they were. Supposed to be strong up front, Virginia. So it was a nice uh, overall win for them. And we've got Bowling Green coming up. We'll break it down for you, too. Although I can't imagine how much we're actually going to break down (laughs) of the Falcons. But we will. Uh, But first and foremost, we start every show with uh, Blue Gold Nuggets. And Todd Burlidge is going to have some for us right now. Todd, what's up? Yeah, I got your usual three-pack. A little bit of a slow week, uh, but some hoops news. Always like to get this out of the way on uh, football weekends here. A couple commits from 2020 class, one for the ladies, one for the men. Start with the men's. Matt Zona, three-star player, 6'9", 235 pounds. He's from Bergen Catholic in New Jersey. Um, Mike Bray has all his shooting guards. He's trying to beef up his front line, and he hopes this young man will do it again. A three-star pick. Not exactly a uh, powerful uh, scholarship list here. He chose Notre Dame over Brown, Davidson, George Washington, and Harvard. So obviously a bright kid. Um, he joins... Philly power forward Elijah Taylor as far as kind of the two bigs that Notre Dame and Mike Bray have now landed in this class. On the women's side, Alicia Hayes. She's a 5'7 point guard. Uh, she's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, number 44 player in the country. Again, 2020 gal. She averaged 13, 13.5, 6.8 boards, and 3.3 assists. So Muffet gets another good one there, a top 50 player. Um, yeah, you talked about how exciting every uh, the Bowling Green game is going to be for everybody. Well, they're kind of trying to spice it up, the folks there at Notre Dame. They're bringing in the rock band Chicago uh, to perform at they're halftime. Always, they're always good for an appearance every year, so this is as right. fine a week as any, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're going to play right along with the Notre Dame band. So something to, something to watch for. Plenty of good seats available to this game, by the way. If you're going to be in town and want to check it out, you can uh, go right up to the ticket office and get that done. I think they could play offensive line and they'd win this week. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is definitely a keep-your-roster-handy game because I think the bench uh, for Notre Dame is going to get absolutely emptied. Um, <laughs> injury notes and uh, some big ones, some important ones. Um, start with Dalen Hayes, the yeah. defensive end, senior defensive end. Broke his shoulder against Virginia. He's out for the year. I guess there is some good news, a little bit of a silver lining with this, because at least it happened in Game 4, because if it would have happened this week against Bowling Green, 
his career would be over. But he's going to be eligible, and it looks like all systems are go for him to come back for a fifth year. He actually, I think, know, announced he is coming. I think he actually yeah, said yeah. he is going to come back, which is yeah, great. He didn't waste yeah. any time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And uh, you know they're so loaded up at defensive end right now. It really doesn't hurt to lose him. Certainly, thirty snaps a game is a lot, and he's been a productive player. But you know, you're still talking about Julian Aquara, Khalid Kareem. Uh, Ade Ogundeji, Jameer Jones. They're, they're, there's still plenty of talent here. And then when you sort of project Hayes to next year, you know, they're going to be loaded up again. Clark Lee's going to have a lot to work with. That's for sure. Let's see. I mean, because you're, you're, I already mentioned Ogundeji. Jones could perhaps be back. We'll have to wait and see on that. Um, obviously, you're going to lose Kareem and Aquara, but there's a lot of talent here. You know, you have Amosa and Kurt Heinisch controlling the, uh, the interior there. I mentioned Hayes and Ade. That's going to be a star-studded cast again next year, even with some heavy losses there. Uh, Sean Crawford, oft-injured Sean Crawford, the nickelback. He's out three to four weeks, dislocated left elbow. Ouch. NBC wouldn't even show up. They said it was a little too graphic. So at least he's going to be back three to four weeks. Um, It isn't too bad, considering he's already had two season-ending injuries to his knees. Um, So he just cannot stay healthy. It will be a bit of of a hit here. But certainly Notre Dame, another position of depth and strength, so they should be all right in this defensive backfield. Basically, they're going to have their rover linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa. He's going to kind of fill in at that position. Versatile guy, should be in good shape here. Um, Obviously, last week against Virginia, Michael Young, wide receiver, came back. I believe he had three catches. Uh, So he did a few things. And Jameer Smith, the running back, came back. He didn't get a whole lot of looks. He had three carries for, it looks like, eight yards. But at least he's back in the lineup, and it helps improve the depth. And obviously the last, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Lawrence Keyes, sophomore wide receiver Lawrence Keyes, he was not on the depth chart for Bowling Green. We didn't really talk about him. I guess I, I didn't even really notice. I read that on Irish Illustrated. Uh, but Lawrence Keyes is out as well, kind of an undisclosed injury, it sounds like. And then Jafar Armstrong, we already mentioned it. Looks like he will be back for the USC game next week. That's an already starting tailback. So that's good news, and those are your blue gold nuggets. And for hockey fans out there, they do have a road exhibition game this weekend, and they'll open up at Compton Ice Arena on Friday night against Air Force as they get their season underway, too. So that's kind of good news. And for pro football Notre Dame fans, Golden Tate's back, uh, Todd, after the... um, fertilization suspension that he had <laughs> that is the best way I could put it. He will be wow. playing for the Giants this weekend. So I know there are a lot of fans out there who miss him, and I'm one of them. He's on one of my fantasy teams, and it's good to have him back. So Golden Tate, uh, go light it up while you come back for the Giants. All right, before we... Hey, Rags. Yeah, go ahead. Rags. Go. Have you, you've been in this business a long time. Have you ever used the term <laughs> fertilization suspension? No, I have not. And as I was saying it, I realized that probably the first time, or maybe even the last time, I would say something like that. Um, all right, Todd, let's, uh, you know, before we look ahead, we'll look back for a second. I've got to be honest, you watching the game, I was surprised how both sides of the ball, up front, they finally dominated games, and that's with the running game and stopping the run. The defense actually pushed people around, and we hadn't seen that yet, and it was kind of nice to see, especially against a top-20 team, which is what they beat. Yeah, exactly, Rags, and uh, that's kind of what I wrote. I did a story this week on revisiting that run the football, stop the run clip from Brian Kelly before the start of the season, and really they just have not been able to been able to blend those together. You know, in the opener against Louisville, yeah, Notre Dame had 230 rushing yards, but they gave up 249. And then New Mexico, Notre Dame was actually outrushed in that game, 212 to 157. Then against Georgia, Notre Dame had a, uh, a whopping 46 rushing yards on 14 tries. Uh, so Kelly had to be ticked off at, at that one. 
14 rushing attempts and 47 pass attempts mm-hmm. against Georgia. That's not how he laid it out. So what he did, Rags, he actually sort of challenged his coaches and coming into Virginia said, look, we need to stay patient just because something is not working right now. Stick with the game plan. We have a, a veteran players, strong players, conditioned players. It'll come around. And that's what they did against Virginia. Notre Dame actually had 120 uh, of its 178 rushing yards in the fourth quarter. So Brian Kelly's uh, thoughts there took. Let's see. They actually outrushed Virginia 178-4. to four. Uh, That skewed a little bit because Bryce Perkins, the Virginia quarterback, had negative 29 yards rushing on eight Irish sacks. But even if you throw him out, Virginia still only ends up with 59 rushing yards on 21 carries. That's a 2.8 average rag. So I think you're right when you're pointing to the the key to this game. It's exactly what Brian Kelly wanted it to be. Run the football, stop the run, and hopefully that's something to build on. Yeah, very successful to build on, and and it's important maybe to build on too because we move into our next topic here. Uh, it, it's Ian Book, and um, I hate to say it because we say it every year, every almost every podcast, Todd, about the quarterbacks. They start out so great, and then once mm-hmm. BK gets his hands on them, they begin to regress. And uh, you know, look, uh, it's still early to say whether or not Ian Book's regressed, um, but. Uh, it is something we have to keep our eye on because seems like he's committing the same problems. Seems like yeah, yeah. He seems like he's you know just not getting to that level. Uh, Notre Dame's going to need him to get at if they're ever going to make any headway this year. Yeah, playing like maybe a top thirty quarterback. Certainly not playing like a top ten quarterback. And you're right, Rags. I think the thing that gets me and a lot of Notre Dame fans. There's been a lot of chatter about him since the Virginia game. Just the same mistakes. You know, we heard preaching all off season. Okay, we're going to work on him having more pocket poise and looking downfield more. You didn't see any of that against Virginia. He yeah. was bailing on everything. I saw him miss a couple plays that were wide open. One in particular in the very first first uh, drive of the game, Cole Komet busted wide open down the seam. Looked like Book was looking right at him, and then just looked away, turned his back to the line of scrimmage, and, and took off running. And he keeps doing that and doing that. You know, statistically, it doesn't look too bad. You know, he's on pace for 3,000 yards and 20-some touchdowns, which, you know, I think is what you'd expect, right? And especially but, with this schedule. He better do that with this schedule. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah good point for sure. And uh, But, you know, maybe it's the elite teams that bother him because we all remember the 33 loss to Clemson last year in the playoffs. You know, after Game 2, he shredded New Mexico rags for 360 yards and five touchdowns. Those are both career highs. And he moved to number 5 in the country in pass efficiency. Well, a couple sketchy games against Georgia and Virginia, which are probably Notre Dame's two best defenses and definitely the best pass defenses they'll face this year. He's now dropped to 41st. Um, so he actually asked Brian Kelly, is this guy developing at the pace you want? And here's kind of his breakdown to where he thinks Ian Book is right now. I think in some areas he's made really good progress. Um, I think there's there's room for improvement in, in, in others. But I could probably say that about a lot of players. But again, and I think we all know this, the spotlight is on the quarterback. So the scrutiny on him is 10 times um, on him than it is on other positions. And, and he knows that. Maybe made a couple more plays and you know, put the whole game, uh, the Georgia game on his back. And then I would say, yeah, we're exactly where we want to be. Uh, but, you know, we're... We're in a pretty good position. We're top 10 in the country. Um, so, you know, yeah, could we be a little bit better? Sure. But I think we all could be. We could've, I could 
be coaching a little bit better. So I'm certainly not displeased with Ian Book, that's for sure. Well, here's a couple things, Todd. And uh, first of all, he's got a new weapon that's emerged now with Komet over the last couple of weeks. So he's got right. he's got playmakers on his side. What do you think it is? Are they just throwing too much at these quarterbacks once they've established themselves as a starter that none of them have just taken it to the next level? Is it the play calling? Because let's face it, B. Kel- B. Kel- uh, Brian Kelly is an offensive quote-unquote guru. Uh, they mm-hmm. should be excelling in the offense, and they just never seem, especially against elite teams, be able to put up enough points to go punch for punch against the high-scoring offenses that are out there. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? Because you look at, you go down the list of some of the, re- the regressed quarterbacks. You know, you start with Everett Golson. Obviously, he had a year off in between, but 2012 led him to the title game undefeated. Great game manager. Seemed like they did put a little bit more on him when he returned as the starter in 14 and just became a turnover machine. Deshaun Kaiser, I, I, I don't know what that was all about, what 2016 was all about. He was awful. And in 15, he, you know, he made a huge splash. Maybe some of its defense is studying these guys and finding out some tendencies there. I don't know, but for Ian Book, I blame it on Ian Book. I'm not really wanting to put it on the coaches because he just bails out too quick. Yeah, And I don't know that there's anything a coach can do about that, Rags. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. Now, Brian Kelly keeps saying, well, he's only had 14 career starts. 14 career starts. That will be after this weekend, by the way. He has 13 now. Um but you know what? In, in this here today, gone tomorrow rule to college football, that seems like a large enough sample size where you should be improving, in my opinion. I mean, sure. Trevor Lawrence won a national championship in his 13th start. <laughs> so I just, you know, no, you know, sometimes too, I don't know if they instill enough confidence into these quarterbacks to say, this is your team. Because I still don't see, and in all the years with Brian Kelly, I don't see teams rallying around the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. I don't see the Notre Dame quarterback making the players around them better, and that's the one thing I'd love yeah. to see out of a starting quarterback. I don't see him elevating the play of his other players. No, and, and you, you, I don't know that we have seen that really I don't know. probably since Brady Quinn. Right. You know, when, when you really think about it, because Jimmy Clausen certainly didn't. Jim, Jimmy Clausen sort of fits the mold we're talking about. And I mentioned those other guys. Uh, you know, Brandon Wimbush certainly didn't make anybody better around him. I, that's, that's a great point, Rags. And I don't know. I, maybe they're just not that good of recruits. I or, mean, or, Ian Book's or, only a three-star guy. Or the plays aren't designed for it to filter through him to be that team leader. Yeah. That's my theory. I don't think it's just designed where here's our quarterback, here's our guy, here's Tua, here's Lawrence. They're going to lead us to the promised land. It's just Notre Dame's not designed that way right now. Well, and so the debate that really has been going on online and, and out and about there. Ian Book has a fifth year. He right. could come back next year, and that's sort of the, 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 the do we want him back for a fifth year? Because Rags, when a quarterback is staying in school and playing for a program for five years, <laughs> he is certainly not an elite quarterback. <laughs> no, the only way he's elite is if he's a fifth year, he's going somewhere else and being hired as a hired gun to come lift the <laughs> franchise up and, and get him to the promised land. Uh, it, it's really an anomaly because, you know, a year ago at this time, we were like, oh my gosh, we might finally have our right. Heisman Trophy quarterback. And you're the one that said, I, I think it, that was more me celebrating that, and you're the one that told me to, to cool the Jets a little bit because you said... We've seen this movie before, Todd. So yeah. don't get. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. And I have to admit, uh, it, it looks like. I honestly think with Ian Books, I, I thought with the completion percentage last year, which has actually slipped eight points this year, you know, set the sing, single season record there. Um, I thought, okay, this is one quarterback 
who this won't happen to. He's just he's too efficient. He's too accurate. He's not going to regress, and looks show you shows you what I know. Well, I just think part of it too. They got that gut punch in the playoff game that they couldn't recover from, and that doesn't do well for confidence. I know that. So, uh, and he's not going to have much draft interest, Todd. It's not like he's going to come out. He, he's got a choice to make here. Right. It's not like he's coming out in the first round. That's not going to happen. So, I think we might see him for a fifth year because I don't see the NFL as being an option. I really don't either. Scott Wright was asked about it in a story I read this week from NFLDraftCountdown.com, a good friend of our show, and he basically said last day pick of the draft, Mm. anywhere from 4th to 7th, but he also said there's a very real possibility that Ian Book wouldn't even get drafted, and I actually think that would be uh, his ultimate fate if he leaves after this year. Well, one thing's for sure, he's probably going to put up numbers this weekend, at least first-half numbers. Um, <laughs> one, one series. I, I mean, I'm surprised there's even a betting line. And by the way, uh, congratulations, Indiana. You can bet on this game on your mobile device this weekend. They passed that law, so if you have DraftKings, you can go there to the sports book and bet on the games. 45-point favorites, Todd. Like I said, I'm surprised surprised there's even a line all due respect to our friends to the to the east um uh, or i guess south uh this is not going to be much of a game 45 point underdogs so what 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 can we take if anything out of this upcoming bowling green wolves game well i guess the main story is that uh, brian van gorder's back in town as the first year <laughs> right. defensive coordinator for bowling green and he's putting up crappy numbers just like he did everywhere else so they ran him out of here in 2016 and then he led Louisville to a 2-10 and record, helped Lou, Lou, lead Louisville. Um, not much to talk about, 45-point favorite. As a matter of fact, Brian Kelly even was talking during his press conference. He barely even mentioned Bowling Green. Typically kind of goes down the star players for a team. Keep an eye on this guy. We, we've got to pay attention to this guy. He didn't mention one player, and that was a first uh, when he was breaking down Bowling Green. Really, very much talked about this is this is a good week where we could really slack off and not pay any attention to details. And he kind of challenged his team not to do that. And he said he really wants to get a gauge for his team. I, I think he was just grabbing for straws, rags <laughs> uh, on something to talk about. I truly do. But I'll get to more about how lousy uh, this this uh, Falcons defense is here shortly. But here's Brian Kelly. This was kind of his mission for this week leading up to Bowling Green. This is a week for our football team to really look at themselves and say. Do I want to be great, um, or is this as good as it gets? Um, you know, our mission here is to graduate champions, and um, this is a week where you can focus um, on being a champion. You know, all the details um, that are so important to to being one. You get the opportunity uh, to sharpen that this week. I think it's a great week for our football team to really. Uh, be evaluated on um, what do they want to be, you know? How good do you want to be? And this is a week that they can do that. Um, If they're outside those lines, if they're not locked in, if they're not great in the weight room, if they're not great in the classroom and they're not locked in on the practice field, then it's a a great indication to me that they don't want to be great. And I apologize, too. I'm taking him so lightly. I think I called him the Wolves or the Falcons. I know that. The <laughs> Bowling Green Falcons. Uh, Todd, it's uh, it's really going to be quite amazing how much time even the starters get here. Now, uh, it would be the greatest upset in college football history if they can keep it a game. Um, I'm not underselling this, am I? This is not going to be much of a game. 
I guess the no. story is, does uh, BVG get uh, 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 booed badly when he comes out in the field? Or do people <laughs> not even realize what the, that he's even right. a coach on this team? Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the last clip we'll play, I, I want to get into how bad this defense is first, though. Um, Brian Kelly, actually, it's sort of is a little bit of a veiled shot, it sounds like, when he's asked oh, if he's had any contact with Brian Van Gorder. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> But I was again. I was doing a story on just looking ahead to Bowling Green and trying to find something to write about. Rags out of 130 Division One teams. Uh, let's see here: uh, the Falcons, Bowling Green, one and three. They did win one game. They rank 117th uh, in rushing defense, 129th in passing defense, 111th in total defense, and 120th in scoring defense. Okay. So none of that sounds very good, does it? No. Okay, well, in their season opener, they played FCS, Division II bottom feeder Morgan State, and they held Morgan State. They blew them out. Bowling Green blew them out 46-3. to They obviously held Morgan State to three points and 70 total yards, okay? So even with that, even with a 70 total yard defensive performance and a three-point performance, Bowling Green is giving up. 290 rushing yards and 303 passing yards a game. They're giving up more than 600 yards on average a game, and they have a game within the averages of 70. Oh my God! <laughs> They're kidding. They played three Division One teams this year, and they've been beaten by an average score of 45 to three. Um, so yeah. So uh, again, Brian Van Gorder is up to his old tricks again here. You know, but come on, it's a first year staff. Um, a new co- new coach, new staff. They're still trying to find their way. They had a bunch of transfers, so it, it, you know, picking on and piling on is probably not fair. How, I'm sorry. But, how uh, big is the check this weekend? How much are they right now? Yeah, it's usually around a mil. Usually around a mil. So <laughs> there right, you go. There but, you go. But Brian Kelly was asked if he has any contact with Brian Van Gorder, and here's what he had to say. No, we haven't uh, <laughs> been in touch. He's he's had a you know obviously. Uh, a busy career in terms of moving around a little bit, so we haven't been able to stay in touch. Um, going against Brian is is always a challenge because he's he's multiple defensively. You're going to get a lot of different looks. That's first and foremost. You better be you better be ready for uh, a lot of different things. Now, as I said, um, it's not certain that they're at that level uh, where they can bring as many things at you as they did here at Notre Dame, but we'll have to be prepared for that. Uh, but that's that's what you get when when you go up against a Van Gorder defense. Well, that Van Gorder defense has been outscored 149 to 27 over the last three games, as you said, Todd, and uh, and they lost to Louisiana Tech at home by 28 points. So, yeah, uh, if you have those in front of your rags, I don't have the opponents, but it certainly isn't a, a well. They, they a did star studded they, cast. They did get blown uh, blown out by Kansas State. I'll give them that. They got shut out 52 to nothing, um, and lost to Kent State. They gave up 62 points to Kent. State. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Look, they're in a decent. I like the. I like the conference they play in with the Toledo's and Central Michigan. There's some good competition there. Sure. But this is just basically, uh, from the game, you go right to the bank and you cash the check and then you go home. Yeah, I, and you know, and you're you're right, very much. So it's just a one and done type of game. But I, Notre Dame prides itself because it's like the only school to have never played a Division II team. They've never once dipped down and played a Division II team. Well, this mm. is about as close as they've come. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is definitely Division One and three quarters. Let's just say that. You, you know what? But it, it does. It will give the coaches a chance, you would think, anyways. You know, sometimes we're off a little bit on these predictions and things we talk about, forecasting. 
But you would think you could get uh, quarterback Phil uh, Jerkvik in yep. there, yep. Uh, get him some snaps, get a lot of guys some snaps. If anybody's banged up, try to get them healthy. Really get a look at your depth, your younger guys. You know, dip into your three deep. Even you know, you know, there's no reason not to. And I'm sure the coaches are aware of that. No point in risking any injuries here before USC. That's the key um, because you do. Yeah, because you have USC and then Michigan. And that's really about all that's left on the schedule is those two games. So yeah. don't get uh, hurt. Certainly a tune up. Yep, don't get hurt and uh, don't go the extra mile to make a play. Just, if that play doesn't work out, you're going to have another play that you can bust open for 82 yards and a rushing touchdown. <laughs> exactly. So if the hole's not exactly. there, don't make a hole. It'll be there the next play. So, I mean, I hate to minimize, I hate doing that. I hate minimizing I the game because all these kids want to go out and they're all giving their 100% effort. But you don't want to see someone go down hurt here because you do have their last two really primetime games on the schedule coming up back to back here. So yeah. um, you got to stay healthy. I see them, uh, by the way, I'll, I'll plug the you can bet now in Indiana. I see them covering this bet, Todd, and winning this game somewhere in the area of 49 to 3. 49 to 3, man, you're just barely covering that 45. I, I wanted to cover it without <laughs> really covering it too much. Because at some point, you think they're going to call up the dogs, too, right? I mean, it, it almost makes you wonder. I don't if think it matters. If, yeah, <laughs> that's the point. I mean, at 45 points, do you stop scoring? You might. Yeah, I well, I I got built in a little bit of wiggle room here. I've never named winning at fifty two to nothing. Wow, wow, yeah, right. yeah. We'll see. I don't know why I gave him a field goal, but I did. But you're probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's but real quick, Rags. I know we got to wrap it up here. But see, like a guy like Tony Jones Jr. who rushed for one hundred and thirty one yards against Virginia had eighteen carries. Give him a rest. Brian Kelly's been talking all season. Don't want to overwork him. Don't want to overwork him. Now's your chance to get the Sebo Flemister in there. And do his thing. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that. And again, folks, keep your roster handy because you're going to need it. Yeah, you're going to have numbers there that you're like, huh? By the way, we didn't talk about it, and maybe you brought up and I missed it. Is there a history here? Have they played each other? I mean, have, the, have these two teams gone at it ever before? Uh, we usually talk about this, and I, I forgot to bring it up. Has this happened before? Uh, let me get my game notes out here. Am I putting you on the spot you. here? Because I, I, I normally we talk about the history between the two teams, and I'm just trying to figure out if these two teams have ever played before. First meeting. And First so meeting. There's my answer. All right. There you go. I yep. knew you'd have the answer, Todd. I knew you would. Yeah, I, I, I should have known that, I guess. I thought that was the answer, but sometimes, you know, maybe years ago, they snuck him in there somewhere under the schedule. But no, first meeting. So, uh, yeah, I think welcome the, back, Brian Van Gorder. I think the first time they met, they were bowling purple. They weren't bowling green yet, and now <laughs> right. they're bowling green. Uh, all right, Todd. Uh, boy, we'll, look, we'll have total eggs on our faces if this turns out to be the greatest upset of all time. But we'll do this again next week when we break down the traditional USC game, primetime game at Notre Dame Stadium. So that means extra time to tailgate, people. Uh, I know you probably have already started that tailgate this weekend. Right. Uh, but, uh, Todd, we'll do this again next week. The Blue Gold Report brought to, you, brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And again, wherever you found us, rate, review us, and share us. And if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Preview. Todd, see you next week. All right, man. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.